don't think of yourself as a salesperson. Think of yourself as someone who can help the person that you're reaching out to. That's all we should be doing in sales is helping people. If you're getting money from people that you can't help, you shouldn't do that. That's unethical, right? You should only be selling to people who you can genuinely help. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi there, listeners of the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I'm running a little competition as we're trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the work that inspires those to sell with love more. And the best way to do this is to leave reviews, both on Spotify and on Apple Podcast. And for those of you who leave a review when listening to this episode, I would ask you to take a screenshot of your review and send it to me at jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. And in doing so, I'm going to give you a set of meditations that you can use to get into the state of selling with love, whether it's connecting with your buyer, affirmations before making calls or any kind of outreach. These will empower you to be feeling powerful and to be able to do it from a place of love. It is a reward for supporting the show, being a loyal listener, and of course, being able to give more to my amazing audience. Thank you for always showing up, listening, and being inspired by the amazing guests that I get to interview and I get to share their message with you. So again, just leave a review. Take a screenshot of the review. This can be done on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and email it directly to me, jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. Thank you, and now let's get started with our episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. This is Jason Mark Campbell. And today I'm really excited about the topic. It's something that I feel is going to touch close to the heart of all of those of you who are really fans of this new way of selling, selling with love, really selling from the heart, caring, taking responsibility. Yet I don't want to take away the side of what are some of the qualities we need to be a good salesperson? How do we effectively lead? How do we effectively bring people to a decision of doing business with you? It's not all just sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes we really have to bring a bit of the fire, which is why I love the topic we're going to have today, which is all about the yin and the yang of selling. And the guest that I have today, Michael Hansen, is the founder and CEO of Growth Genie. It's a sales consultancy company that helps B2B sales teams start conversation with their ideal prospects, generate qualified meetings and close more deals. And he's has his expertise in outbound prospecting, LinkedIn social sharing and sales cadences. I've discovered him because I was looking at some of the people that are the best influencers, thought leaders when it comes to LinkedIn. And he is an active individual on that platform. He's spoken at conferences such as sales hacker, salesman, modern sales pro, lead feeder and vineyard. He's worked with lots of companies and now he's here to share some of his wisdom with us. And I'm so excited to have him here. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Jason. I'm excited to be here and chat with you. And yeah, I love the name of the podcast as well. Oh, brilliant. Well, we talk about yin and yang. Now, I know this is something you've been speaking more about recently. And I'd just be curious, you know, when you bring yin and yang, I'm thinking like Eastern philosophy. And again, when you go to corporations, are they usually reluctant to hear this message? Or are they excited to hear a message like this? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a fair point you bring up. And I've done like four or five sales kickoffs this year. And I say, hey, the topic is yin and yang of sales. And a lot of them are like, what? What are you talking about? So I have to like talk them through 
what it is first because otherwise they think I'm going to be doing some like crazy thing with their sales team. But it's actually the thing I always say about it is when I explain it, it's actually all things that people already know deep down. It's all really obvious things, but just that people forget. Yeah, I was going to say most of when I do sales mindset training, it's usually a question of reminding people of things that they already know, like how do we communicate human to human? It's almost when you get into sales, you're supposed to get yourself into a persona that's non-emotional. You're supposed to like drop any sense of caring and you have to turn into what a sales robot. But that doesn't seem like the most effective way of bridging the gap of communication, earning trust, getting attention. What are you seeing? Yeah, no, 100%. I literally taught the same language as you. So like when we start working with a company, even in the sales process, I say, look, our consulting, training, coaching is around not making your team robots because unfortunately what we see is a lot of people are robots in sales. They've got a cool script. They never go off the script. So they just sound like robots. They're just sending out automated emails. So what we're doing is like put your own personality into it, be you. And even if we're talking about like tone on a call, Normally what I say is don't be like crazy enthusiastic and put on this like actor type persona. Also don't sound like you hate your job. Imagine you're talking to your friends. Imagine you're talking to your family. That's the same way you want to talk to someone in sales. You shouldn't have a different personality when you sell. You should be yourself when you sell and be like your own authentic self. So I think we're very aligned on that point. I love it. So we're talking about the yin and the yang. So how do you differentiate these two elements within a sales process? And how did you end up speaking about this topic? Yeah, I, I kind of got more and more into Taoism over the past few years. Of I've always been like someone quite spiritual, but I've been reading a lot of books about psychology and a lot of psychologists also look at things from a yin and yang perspective. And then, yes, I would say when I was first in sales, right, like eight years ago, I was reading like different sales methodologies and trying to understand like how sales works. And then it got to a point I didn't find any value reading sales books really and then so i ended up just starting to read psychology books and it really took my sales game to the next level because it's more one understanding yourself and two understanding the people that you're speaking to and then so the, this topic of Taoism came in and then eventually i was like hold on this whole like yin yang thing it's totally related well it's actually part of every aspect in life right but it's also part of sales so for me the biggest one is give and take that's our biggest principle for like yin and yang because in sales, we're always trying to take either people's time, people's money, or one of the things people don't think about as taking is information. Because there's that classic thing where you do a discovery call with a person. And I've been on the other end as a buyer in this. And you feel like you're in a police station getting interrogated. Someone's just asking you loads and loads of questions. And you're like, why are they asking me these questions? They don't give you context or they don't give you anything in return. So I always say, okay, before you take information, before you take time, before you take money, what are you giving the other person in return? And a mindset I like to think about, go into every call thinking, what can I learn off this person, but also what can they learn off me? And then that's a bit of that yin yang approach. I love that, the give and take. I think that's where a lot of people particularly who have reluctance in sales, it's actually on the side of taking, like it's almost an embarrassment or a shame or some like guiltiness coming around of having to take people's time, having to bother them or having to ask about money, money blocks come up. And now, you know, asking them questions, feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to be perceived as an interrogator. Like a lot of those fears do come up. So how do you get around that? Yeah. So I think, as you said, a lot of it's a mindset. We were just talking about this before, right? That 
if you really believe in what you do and you can help people, you should think if I get on a meeting with this person or if they're part of my business, right, I'm actually helping them genuinely. Whereas if you've got the mindset where I'm pestering this person, I'm going to be a bother, I'm a salesperson, don't think of yourself as a salesperson. Think of yourself as someone who can help the person that you're reaching out to. That's all we should be doing in sales is helping people. If you're getting money from people that you can't help, you shouldn't do that. That's unethical, right? You should only be selling to people who you can genuinely help, right? And then if we go back to the give and take thing, how you can get in that mindset of I'm genuinely helping this person is in your message. Say it's an email or LinkedIn message, you're educating them before you ask for time. So think about what is something that they can learn that's new off me. That could be a statistic, a quote, or just something interesting where they're like, oh, wow. Think about what's that wow factor that they can get in your email. And then you've earned the right to ask for their time, right? Or to ask for certain information. So that's always what I think what can you put in your email that's educational and it's hey people like you in your industry so i was targeting you jason we like people who are running podcasts are facing some of these challenges and this is what they're doing about it and you're like oh that's interesting i didn't know about that right and then i've got more right to ask for your time so that's the way i would look at it so i love that when we have a bit of a give to put into the mindset i think that actually eases even our own mental mindset knowing like wow we're leading with giving and you speak about how it happens with via email but is that also where you tie in the things like having a cadence on social media trying to get some inbound activity happening cadence on social media what do you mean like cadence for like because let's say linkedin is one example right you've got two aspects of linkedin you've got i can direct message someone like you which is more of like a sales outbound play or I can like post, which is more of like an inbound player. I want people to see my posts and contact me directly. Which one of those are you talking about? Well, actually what happens is when it comes to giving, it seems like going to social media, you fall into this kind of giving perpetual, like share content, continue to nurture, but that comes with a lot less blocks. I've noticed that most people are like, okay, I can post on social media, not an issue, but then to actually go and ask is a different notion. And I want to talk about how like we get into this wheel where we're like, okay, I'm just going to give, give, give. But again, resisting going into that taking mentality. Yeah, I think a big thing I would talk about on this is detaching from the outcome. I'm in a fortunate situation where I've sold a lot now, right? Before I set up my own company and at my own company, we were in a good like financial situation. So you could say, oh, it's easy for you, right? But I detach from the outcome. So whatever sales conversation I go into, right, I'm not putting my self-worth into like, I need to close this deal in order to be like successful, right? I'm just going in and saying, I'm going to get to know this person. They're going to get to me. I genuinely believe 95% of the sales leaders that I talk to, I can teach them something new. There are the 5% that are already doing a lot of the things I talk about. That's great. Often we just have a chat, right? Like we're doing now. But I go in with that mindset of I can teach them something new. If they want to do business with us, great. If they don't want to, no problem. And that's where asking for something, I'm not saying I need them to say yes, right? I'm just like, I'm going to ask them for it. If they say no, no problem. I like move on to the next person. And like my colleague, Lawrence, he really taught me the power of that. He's like a 58 year old American guy. He used to do like door to door sales. He just says, look, in the cadence, the only goal is to get a yes or no. If they don't respond, like keep going, right? So that's kind of the, the mindset he gave me. So is that a mindset that like your job is to just get people off the fence and make a decision? Exactly. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. I think you've summarized it well there. 
I love it. Now, okay, so focusing more on the sales side. So let's say I have a social media presence, like I have a cadence I've been giving. So if anybody's doing some research, like I remember before you got on this call, I mean, even you went to see my LinkedIn, you saw the content so you can get a better understanding. So if we're going out and selling, there's a minimum that we can do to have a social media presence so that if someone's wondering who is this reaching out to me, it's in place. But now when it comes to actually reaching out, are you saying we go in direct message and you lead with some relevant information, statistics. Let's talk more about how do you bridge that gap into getting into an outbound sales conversation? Yeah, 100%. There's basically three parts of an outbound message that I look at. So the first is the trigger event, right? So the trigger event is essentially your reason for getting in touch with that person. Because whenever you contact someone outbound, they're always thinking, why is this person contacting me? I have no idea who they are. So you've got to have a really good reason for getting in touch with that person, right? So we've split it out into company triggers and personal triggers and both work quite well, right? So if it's a company trigger, it's more something that's happening at the company rather than like an individual level. So in our case, it could be, hey, notice you're hiring salespeople at your company. That's a great trigger for us because we can help with the consulting, onboarding, training for those salespeople. Or it could be at a personal level. Like I could contact you and say, hey, Jason, I listened to your podcast on selling with love with Michael. Like really enjoyed the part about yin and yang of sales, right? That's more you as Jason, right? The next part is a pain related to that. So this is where sometimes people go wrong is they do the whole personalization thing and the trigger thing, and then they go into some generic sales pitch. And as a buyer, you're like, you've only said that in order so that you can give me some like generic thing. So what you've got to do is relate your pain to whatever that trigger is. So say it's in the case, oh, I've noticed you're hiring salespeople. We could say, we're noticing that sales is becoming harder there's a longer period before they're productive, right? So for an SDR who's booking the meetings, it's gone from like three to four months. For an AE, it's going from like four to six, seven months before they're fully productive, right? So that's a stat that maybe they're not aware of, or they see that trend happening, but they haven't seen that. They're like, oh, that's quite interesting, right? So that's your pain point. Maybe if I go back to the personal trigger with you, I could say, oh, you got this podcast that you're running maybe I'm selling like Japanese marketing, right? How are you getting in front of people in the Japanese market, right? Something like that. And then you've got your solution, right? So how are you solving this pain point that's related to something that's going on in their business? The other thing we always talk about is use an interest call to action versus asking for time. So asking for 10, 15 minutes. The reason this works well is most salespeople ask for 10, 15 minutes. So you're doing something different and psychologically, especially if you're reaching out to busy people, they're more willing to give up their interest rather than time. In our case, it would be interested in seeing our sales playbook template that can help you onboard your sales reps twice as quickly. So that's your interest call to action, which is around your solution to that pain. And that's what we see as well. And funny enough, some people say, oh, but you are trying to get a meeting. But as soon as they say they're interested, then you can book the meeting. It's just you kind of need to ask for that interest first. So. I think that's a really powerful thing that if you're listening to this and you didn't really catch that is the call to action, not asking for someone's time, but just confirming that they're interested in whatever it is that you just talked about. And that's a way easier thing for people to say yes to than to actually make any kind of commitment. And at that point, at least you've started the conversation and you're making it easier for someone to reply and engage, which is ultimately what you're trying to do in the first call. Just to recap, this is like, you have this like personalization that you do at the beginning that make it relevant why you're reaching out. And how much research do we need to do? Because I might be listening to this and saying, wow, you know, maybe I 
have a low price point, high volume type of product where I'm like, am I supposed to completely research every lead? Or maybe you're just feeling intimidated by the fact that I need to do this for every single one. How do I start measuring how much time I should spend on it? Yeah. Okay. It's a good question because of the transactional sales, like small deal size versus like enterprise sales, right? So enterprise sales, I think it's worth putting the time in. And I would say even then though, it shouldn't be longer than 10 minutes per lead. And I think the more you do this, the easier it will get. So as an example, I was with our team last week in Columbia and we were all doing prospecting like power hour because we try to still practice what we preach so we don't get sloppy. And we were all doing research in like two to three minutes. We were just going on LinkedIn, finding what we needed. We know our business and we know what we're doing. Whereas at the start, it may take 10 minutes. So I would say no longer than 10 minutes. And once you get into the rhythm, you should be able to do it in under five minutes. Now, if you're going for more of a volume play, what I recommend is building a list, right? Where you know there's a common denominator between everyone on that list. So I mentioned the hiring SDRs, right? I do that from experience. I'll jump in and just, can you clarify for those who have a question, what is an SDR and what is an AE? Yes, yeah, so it's my bad there. So generally in the software space, a sales development rep is someone that's booking meetings for a company. So they're at the top of the funnel and then they book a meeting for an account executive and the account executive then closes the deal, right? So in our case, because we've got a lot of knowledge on outbound, which is more something that sales development reps do to book meetings, we train and coach a lot of SDR teams and write playbooks for them, right? So that's why that's a really good trigger for us. But what we can do, we can use different data tools online. There's all kinds of data tools you can use. And I could build a list of 300 sales leaders, right? VPs of sales, chief revenue officers that are hiring these sales development reps. So when I pick up the phone, I can say, hey, Jason, notice you're hiring SDRs at your company. Can I ask you a couple of questions about that? And they're like, oh, at least they took time to research one thing about my company. So if you're doing a volume play, I recommend having a list beforehand where every person on that list is one common denominator. And then it actually seems personalized, even though it's not. Yeah, I've actually showed that to a lot of my students as well. And we use LinkedIn, like at a basic level, you can go on LinkedIn and you can filter quite adequately, especially if you have the sales navigator, which is the paid function of LinkedIn, where you can be like, okay, I want to just find, let's say people in a town. And I know you're out in London. So let's say London, whether it's people that are working in a specific industry or as a certain demographic, and you can reach out just saying like, hey, I was currently looking for people in the location that you're looking in the industry that you're talking about. And then just leading it with that second part, which is sharing something that would be interesting to them, which is a statistic, an offer. Again, can we elaborate a bit on what would you do once you've done that personalization when you reached out? Yeah, it's a pain because people normally buy more about pains than goals because they're like, this is a real pain in my business. I'm really struggling with it. I just want it gone, right? So go into some kind of pain. And if you're selling a lot and you're speaking to lots of people in your industry, right? So every day, for me, I know about pains of sales and marketing leaders because that's people we're speaking to and they're constantly telling me certain things. So to give you an example, right? At the moment, there's more like email automation than ever before. So whenever I speak to chief revenue officers, chief marketing officers are like, God, I get so many sales emails now. It's probably like three times as many than before the pandemic. So everyone's doing this remote selling. How the hell are my sales team going to break through all those emails, right? I hardly look at sales emails nowadays, right? So that's a pain I mentioned. Like as a C-level person, you're receiving so many automated spam messages. Imagine how difficult it is for your sales team, right? So that's the pain point. And then after that, you've got the solution to that pain point. 
Awesome. So I love how tactical we're getting here. So for anybody listening to this, really, if you want to go and do an active way of reaching out to people, find a group, reach out to them, get a bit of knowledge on them, reach out to them as to the reason you reached out. So you have that context, identify a pain that you can highlight for them. And finally, go with this call to action, which is just, is this something that's interesting for them to learn more, to solve, and to see that this pain be reduced, eliminated, and whatever it is, the solution that you provide. Now, Michael, we talk about yin and yang. And one of the first things that I had come in mind is a lot of times in sales, especially in the way that I'm teaching sales, which is selling with love, it's almost like a notion or an assumption saying, hey, we don't want to be pushy salespeople. Nobody wants to be associated with, you know, the snake oil salesman, someone that's really being bothersome. But I feel like there's always a level of leading, and I don't want to use the word pushy, but I want to use the word leading people towards a decision, which needs a bit of, is it confrontation? Is it challenging? What is some of that quality that needs to be there within a salesperson for them to be effective? Yeah, I think it's, so another part of yin and yang is speaking versus listening, like having a good balance between the two, right? And a lot of the power of yin and yang is the balance in the middle. So if I take it outside of sales, I always say like the most beautiful part of the day is either the sunset or the sunrise, because that's when you're kind of between dark and light, right? You're between like light and darkness. So a lot of these yin and yang things, it's like give and take should be a balance, for example, right? Like you shouldn't just constantly give, you also need to take as well, otherwise you're not going to make sales. And speaking and listening is the same. You can be a really good listener, but unless you're using what you're hearing to drive a conversation, then it's not going to be effective. So this goes into your point. At some point, you do need to take control and say, and this is where like recapping and and mirroring comes in saying, okay, so you mentioned these three points, right? These three challenges based on that, I think we can help you. And this is how we're going to do it. And then you've got things like booking next steps, right? as well as the sales development reps, as I mentioned, other ones booking the meetings. We also work with salespeople who are closing. And what we do, we listen to recordings of like sales calls they're doing. And 70% of them don't book next steps. So like get a next step in the diary. And that's really important in this whole remote world where people are getting emails, texts, are getting sold by everyone. It's like, hey, I think we can help you. Let's set up a next step where we can review the proposal or talk about the timeline or whatever it is. So that part's really important. That's at the end of the call, booking a next step start of the call as well, set an agenda for the call, right? Set an agenda. So that will help you take control of that conversation as well. Lovely. I really like how actually applicable this is for anybody, whether you're in B2B, whether you're in B2C, the only difference in B2B and of course, business to business versus business to consumer. Business to business means it's a little more investment, but a lot more return. You're working with one giant client. B2C, this whole cycle might happen just a little faster, but the principles are still the same. Now, being that your company really helps people onboard, train, and bring salespeople to be at their peak performance, I have to ask a question, which could be a bit controversial given that I'm trying to teach everybody to be salespeople, but do you think everybody can be a salesperson with the right training? I don't think they can. Normally what we look at is, is it a skill issue or is it a will issue? So when we come into a company and they're like, hey, we got this low performer and this has happened a lot, right? We're like, maybe we got three to six more months with this person before you got to make a decision. Normally, the first thing I say to their leadership is, is this a skill issue or is it a will issue? Because if it's a skill issue, it's something we can change quite easily because it's just teaching them the principles of how we sell. If it's a will issue, it's more difficult. And there's some people that just don't like cold calling. They see themselves as pestering someone. They just don't have that like proactive mindset. And I think that's one of the main skills that we look for in salespeople is attitude. One, that they're proactive. 
and two, they're resilient and persistent and they don't take it personally when they get no's. Because even if you're the best salesperson in the world, you're still only going to close like 30% of your deals. Most people in the world like aren't going to be a good fit for your service based on timing or whatever it is. So you're going to hear more no's than yeses. And unfortunately, not everyone has that mindset that they can deal with that. So I think there's certain people you can turn into salespeople, but there's other people that you can't. Yeah, that's a very honest answer. I appreciate that. And I think for somebody who's maybe listening to this and you're maybe a business owner, you're growing your business, you probably understand that there are some of the qualities that have been mentioned in salespeople that you need to embody as a business owner. Yet, if let's say you've decided that sales is not something you can touch or you want to touch, your will's not there, do you often you know, suggest, even if it's a small business, for people to look at someone who can carry the sales load within the business? Or is this something we need to stomach as a small business owner? So you're saying like, should a CEO or founder of a business always have to have some kind of like sales ability? Is that what you're saying? You know, I can tell you're a salesperson, Michael, because you're always asking clarifying questions on my questions, which already shows me the great skills that you have. And yes, that is what I meant. Yeah, I just always want to check I'm not misunderstanding. So that's another point as well. If you don't understand a question, ask, because otherwise you can give the wrong answer and people won't trust you. But yeah, I personally do think as a CEO or founder of a company, you need to at least understand sales. So even if you're not the one doing it, you're going to have a team and it's good. And I think when you're like a CEO or a founder, really, you need to be not experts in each bit, but you need to have a good understanding of like HR, finance. Even for me, right, I started my own business and my expertise is sales, marketing, account management. Then I've got all these things like HR, finance, all this stuff, which... I'm certainly not an expert in, but I'm learning about them. I have to like continue learning. And I think sales is one of those things, right? Sales is the lifeblood of your business. So yeah, if you're a founder or CEO and you don't have that much sales experience, get it, like start speaking to your customers, start selling. Because I think, imagine you meet someone at a dinner party, right? With your family and they're a good fit for your business. You're probably going to want to sell them, right? Yeah, sales is definitely a key tactic for everyone. I love it. Michael, this conversation was fantastic. I got to ask you one of my signature questions. I love to ask every person that comes on this podcast, which is you're on the Selling with Love podcast. So if I'd ask you, what does selling with love mean to you? I love it. Love the question. So yeah, I think selling with love goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Know that you can't help everyone, right? Know that sales is about helping, right? It's not about money for me as a side thing that comes with helping people. If you have a really positive impact on people, naturally we live in like a capitalist society. So the money will come as a result of that. So like our mission at Growth Genie, for example, is empowering B2B salespeople, right? Even though we're making our clients money and they're growing their companies, what drives us is seeing like salespeople become future CEOs, become leaders, become really happy in our jobs. So that's our kind of selling with love, our higher purpose. And I think yeah, just do everything out of the kindness of your heart. And then even if you can't help someone, if you know another company that can, introduce them. Like, So going with that helpful mentality, even if I'm not going to make money out of this, why don't I send them to someone else? And it's funny, the whole like love and kindness thing, a lot of it can actually be selfish in a way because you're like, look, if I help this person, who knows, in two years, they may come back to me or they may have someone that needs our help. So I think being kind and being loving, it's not just about helping other people. It's also gratifying for yourself as well. Michael, I absolutely love that answer and agree with you 100%. This was a fantastic conversation for everybody listening. You know, we talked about the yin and the yang, which is all about the giving and the taking when you're going into sales. Now, if you're somebody that's more biased to just going in, taking, taking, you might have to realize that there's some things that you need to give first to be able to earn the trust, earn the attention. 
And so if you're someone that's more on the giving side, know that there are steps that you need to take to get in front of these people, to start the conversations and to do some of these outbound, which is reaching out to people activities. I love the tactic that we learned with Michael here, which is if you are looking to reach out to people, whether that's on LinkedIn, on email, Spend the time to at least get to know the minimum that is required for you to actually always have context at the beginning of your outreach. So go and make sure that, hey, I'm reaching out because of X, Y, Z. And quite frankly, I've noticed that these reasons don't need to be that significant, but at least relevant for the outreach that you make. Speak about a pain that is relevant to them and a bit of interesting and insightful information that you can share and that will tell them that, hey, we've noticed that this is a problem X. It might be something that affects you. There's ways that we solve that. And the call to action at the end is, would you be interested? I absolutely love this. This is something I'm going to apply in my outreaches because it's much easier to ask if somebody's interested than asking for their time. We talked about how the things we take from people is their time. We take money and we take information. And so you want to make sure you have some giving of value in the process. And knowing that your product and solution is generally giving amazing value, you also want to make sure that that conversation, when you get to the point of asking for money, it is clear the value that you'll be giving to them as well. Michael, it's been a fantastic conversation. I know you're doing fantastic work for your clients. For everybody who's here, definitely go check out growthgenie.co. If you find yourself being a B2B business, looking to grow your sales team, wanting to make more impact, and wanting to hear more from Michael, I'll also put a link to his LinkedIn account. There's tons of content that you can go read there, learn more, get excited about sales, and make a few more for yourself as well. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And until next time, keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.